Hey everybody, welcome to the Free Mind Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Free Mind Podcast. Excited to be back in the saddle here in our illustrious studio. As you can see, uh, the artistic design behind us has been uh, beautifully designed. I, f- I forget the French designer that we hired to uh, to set this set up for you guys, but you can see we have this orange couch with a button here, nice <laughs> yellowish wall for your aesthetic for, fall for your aesthetic pleasure. Fall autumn. But anyways, Decor, <laughs> right? No? That's right. So we're in between. You know, we're still pillows we're, to come. Pillows yes, to come. Yes, pillows to come. We're <laughs> we're in between uh, studios here, but we're doing the best we can. Sitting here on the floor uh, at Liberty University in Nervous Office uh, here, uh, legs cramping and everything. Not on behalf of Liberty University. That's right. That's right. You must say that. Yes, nothing here we that's, that's said on this podcast is endorsed by uh, Liberty there you University. Go. <laughs> in any way, nope. shape, or form. So, anyways, um, we uh, gonna gonna kind of continue, um, just going through our own story here and pulling out themes of stuff we've we've been learning and growing in. You know, we got some feedback from you guys on on our Instagram page. Which, if if you're not on there, it's uh, I think it's at Freemind FM, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but hop on there. We we try to put stuff up there semi-regularly um that is as long as they'll let us you know stay up there um we've we've i don't think we got any warnings on instagram yet so they're a little more more maybe their algorithms aren't as finely tuned as youtube's yet so but uh we're, we're still on there holding it down but hop on there with us interact with us love to hear your feedback but some of the folks were just saying they wanted to hear about our stories like you know our wrestling with the christian worldview okay um my my own journey with doubt and you know avoiding deconstruction like we talked about the last last couple of weeks um but this time i wanted to kind of shift gears and, and talk about like how did we get from you know how did i get from like really wrestling through like you know the philosophical things metaphysics epistemology science and religion the the, the new atheist topics like the richard dawkins type chris hitchens stuff mm-hmm. uh into like the cultural apologetic realm like the you know d- dealing with the crazy things like politics that you're not supposed to talk about as a christian and and uh you know lgbtq issues and critical race theory like what what why that shift and and how did we come to some of the positions we've come to and and where are we at in this journey? We've been talking about that really this whole season, but I just wanted to talk through it with our lives and even ask you some questions about that, you know, your own journey with it, um, that we might pull out some, some themes here and there that might help our listeners and and their understanding as well. So it's kind of what I want to talk about today. So I want to back up and start by just saying, um, I'm trying to think back I think when we got married, we were talking about this today. We were just, we approached the Christian faith differently. We came from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, we even had the occasional theological disagreement, mm-hmm. to be fair, you know. Um, Nerva, though, she was very serious about her walk with the Lord, and I love that. And so even when we had, you know, debates, we knew we were both like, it, it was because we both cared about what we held to be the truth with the Bible and with following the Lord and all. So um, that was that was a, a bit of a journey for us, but I feel like we really came together 
when I was in Biola it, it, doing my master's degree in science and religion and just happened to walk out of class and I saw this CD series by Dallas Willard. I think it was called Knowledge of Christ in Today's World or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time, like, before that, anytime I would, like, play her some apologetics teacher or something like that, it just didn't catch you, right? It wasn't. I don't think so. I'm trying to remember. Why it was, yeah. And it would I think irritate it was you too, sometimes. I think I didn't. Sorry. Ask the same questions. I wasn't there. I, I didn't. I didn't ask those same questions. Yes. <laughs> you know, I didn't care to know. It wasn't right. not it, was, it wasn't important. I just you had didn't swim concerns. in those areas. Yeah, you had I was different like concerns. You're questioning what now? Why? And so that was my framework. Right. I also remember us being somewhere like at a concert or ministry overseas somewhere and someone would say something on the platform and you would just immediately go into a rough spot mentally. And I was like, what just happened? Why are you in a funk? What things like that would, and it would, we, we would go into a deep long conversation. Yeah. Do you remember that? Stuff like that. I do. Yeah. We would have those moments. Yeah. For sure. So you tell me to fix my face. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you give me the good old faithful uh, gospel yes. kick in the leg. So yeah. where things would just kind of go over my head, um, be, not because I wasn't thoughtful. No, you just, you weren't just into was, that. Right. There, I wasn't there is like a, there's a language, there's a way of thinking. For sure. It's like, it's all that. And so I think that what Dallas's material did, it was like, it was, I was surprised you connected with that too, because he was Me really, too. he was very philosophical was in his language. And maybe I like philosophy. Right. But the other guys that I was bringing to you didn't connect with, they were very philosophical like as well. Well, like William Lane Craig. Yeah. Um, some of the, some of the stuff I was listening to back then. Um, a couple of my classes. Remember my class in epistemology, and you were like, uh, "This is." Can you turn that down? <laughs> it just wasn't grabbing you back then. You know, there are some talks back Dallas will that didn't grab me, but for some reason the, that that particular that particular series. series yeah. It really drew me in. Yes. And I loved it. Yes. Loved and that was it. the first time I, I had only vaguely heard of him through J.P. Moreland. Okay. Because he had, he was, um, I think he did his doctoral research underneath Dallas mm-hmm. at uh, USC, University of Southern California, I believe. So anyways, I'd heard about it. I grabbed this CD series. I listened to it. I was driving uh, to meet you somewhere in California for like a few hours. I listened to the whole uh, thing on the way. Yeah. And I got there. And I was like, listen, babe, you got to give this thing a chance. Okay. And you were so kind, you know, to give it a chance. You gave it a chance and I couldn't believe you loved it. I did. And it was, it was. I might have put it on repeat a few yeah. times. I loved it so much. And it really was about, it, it really was in the field of epistemology, but like okay. knowing Christ today, like that. Oh, that it was awesome. That Christianity wasn't just a faith tradition it was it was knowledge Mm -hmm. and there was knowing Christ um, was a part of biblical Christianity and he really defined knowledge um, according to the Bible and then how we come to know things how we come to have confident faith that's ground he would say environed in knowledge or grounded Mm -hmm. in knowledge Um, so that was our introduction to Dallas Willard and I forget what we were doing at the time were we going were we did we move down to Florida to work at a college or something not yet I remember you handing that to me while we were still in Nashville Okay, still in Nashville. So mm-hmm. still traveling on the road. But this is when God began to plant seeds of discipleship yeah. in my heart. So, you know, I grew up like like many folks um, in the, the broader evangelical world in America. Uh, my particular branch was more on the charismatic P- Pentecostal side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm thankful 
about in that realm was there was an emphasis on actually walking with God, like having experience with God, like knowing him personally. It wasn't just like an abstract set of principles that you would adhere to, or it wasn't a, it wasn't just a box you checked. Like I'm a cultural Christian. Like we took, we took the Christian walk very seriously mm-hmm. and you were encouraged to live your life for God. Yeah. But within that, it was like the things we thought mostly about, it was like, it was spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And then like maybe the physical part might be like healing. Um, it, it would also be like, share Jesus on your job, right? Okay. So you want to do, you yeah. want to be on your job, but you want to share the message of the gospel. You want to, um, it, it may be even like have the power of the spirit displayed, especially in the church, but even outside, there was this idea like, man, if you could go out on the streets and lay hands on the sick and then get uh, what, like there so, was that element, yeah. you know? Um, and so in that sense, it was more, um, it was less limited to the inside walls of the church than many parts of the evangelical church. But okay. if you, if you kind of zoom even further back and like look at the mega church movement, the church growth movement, the church growth model movement and all that kind of stuff. There was a real emphasis on, um, you know, you, the, the purpose of church became like, we got to do everything we can to get people to come on Sunday, present the gospel message, get them to raise their hand, okay, get them saved and then get them plugged into serving. And then at that point, like we've done our job, like that was, that they wouldn't quite say it like that, but that was where all the emphasis, that's where the money went, that's where the, the time was spent, that's where the creativity okay. was based on, like getting that process, winning, like saving souls, winning souls. You know, sure. they called it soul winning back in the day. And it kind of, you know, it, it was very um, connected to even the Billy Graham type of crusade. Like that was the big thing. And that w- they would try to get people connected to local churches and say, you know, get get involved in a church and all that kind of stuff. But still the, the emphasis was on, you want to preach that message, get them to raise their hand, say the sinner's prayer, get them into heaven, get them baptized. And then mm-hmm. we've, at, at that point, we've really done the main thing. Yeah. We've accomplished the main thing. And so I think that that mentality really um, took root. And some people, some people root it back all the way to um, the kind of the, um, the, what do they call it? The third great awakening or the, the, the revivalist awakening that happened in, in America rooted in kind of the Charles Finney okay. revivals, decisionism, they call it sometimes and stuff like that, where there really became this emphasis, DL Moody, um, rooted all the way back to that. And it kind of slowly trickled out and through, through all the, all the different branches of, of mainstream evangelicalism. And so that was kind of the thing is like, man, you do everything you can that you might get people saved and into heaven. Like we're on a sinking ship. It was also typically combined with premillennial dispensationalism. And that was, I won't even explain that now, but it was this idea roughly that, you know, things are going to get worse and worse and worse. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, you, the, the, the ship is sinking. Don't polish the brass on a sinking ship. Just rescue as many people, get them on the rescue boats as you can. That was the goal of the Christian life. And so everything we could do, our jobs are like, if you're a businessman, it's not that you do on this model. It's not that you do business to like expand and, and grow a business and, and grow the economy so much as like you do business so you can fund missionaries and evangelists and stuff like that. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when, when I began to come in touch with Dallas's um, material, a lot of what he talked about was no, actually the, the purpose of the church 
is not to make is not merely for conversion, mm. but it's yeah. actually to make disciples. So he wrote a book called The Great Omission, mm. and what he basically argued in this book was um, we have omitted the one of the major parts of the Great Commission which was go into all the earth, make disciples of all nations, mm-hmm. disciple the nations. And he said, we've traded that really for this conversionary idea. And he said, in doing so, in many, many cases, we actually watered even that down to not even real conversion. Cause like okay. in the Finney days, like he probably was a little more hardcore and like, yeah. it was like, yeah. yeah, if you, you know, if you ain't serious, don't even come up here. Like mm-hmm. there was a, there was a process they would go through. But I think by the time it got to our day, he like Dallas would say this, he would say, we actually now have settled for people professing stuff that they, they actually like, may don't. or may not believe. Ooh, that's good. Just raise your hand. Repeat yes. after me, say the sinner's prayer, whether you're there or not. Yeah. That's not what they would say, but you know, that he was just kind of assessing the conversion experience. Yes in an average church yep. as if you've been moved by this message, you're ready to serve the Lord, raise your hand, pray this prayer after yep. me. And that is the conversion. Yeah. And that okay. is the conversion. And so I think, um, coming to be aware of that, you know, you had the divine conspiracy too. Like that was God's, the the hidden kingdom among us was the idea of that. Like that God's kingdom book. is real and that he's like, here's the, here's what the sermon on the Mount means. And here's what he was trying to, trying to communicate and and that was also a part of premillennial dispensationalism that they would like you had um teachers in that movement would explicitly teach that the sermon on the mount wasn't for now it was for the future kingdom oh wow and so there was this okay. hard there was this hard cut like this gap future between and, and and really a difference between the teaching of jesus and the teaching of paul on this model um there for different dispensations and that, that theology um, became very popular and impacted the broader evangelical movement. And you had the Schofield Reference Bible, I think, was very steeped in that idea that became a very popular um, kind of notes in the bottom of the Bible, alongside of the scripture in the Bible, ways to interpret it. The, um, you know, the rapture type theology of, um, man, I'm forgetting the guy's name now, but, you know, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. and how Lindsay, that whole movement, like was very connected in that stuff. So you had this idea of like, man, we just got to snatch people out of the jaws of hell because it's all going down. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of in the background of like how I grew up, how most of us grew up in, in American Christianity. And so that was when I, when I began to look at the, Oh wow! Or so. We're, what does it mean to be a disciple? Okay, it's like an apprentice, and and when you think about it, it's like these master classes that they offer online. It's it's that's like that's a that's it's really not even like that because that's like a, just a snapshot. That's from a distance. Okay. But imagine those master classes. You know how there's like take a master class yeah. with so and so with this artist. And yes, and you'll watch videos of them. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you'll get to email them or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But discipleship. Um, with rabbis would be even more hands-on like you would go and like do life life with them them. yeah and and follow them around and like and so it was um you were you were being discipled by that person Mm. you were you were meant to become like them you were taking on their yoke their Mm. teaching Mm. and and applying like you were immersing your whole life so what i learned from that this is a very short version but that um, the the purpose of church was for equipping the saints oh, gosh, yeah. for the work of the ministry, 
And that's going to require time and effort, long periods of time, like tra- the transformation of the mind, right? Like Romans 12 talks about, be transformed mm-hmm. in mind, re- renewed in your mind so that you don't conform to the patterns of this world. Like that's part of our Christian discipleship. Well, when you get into that, you immediately realize people's minds run are running according to certain ideologies already. It's not like there's a blank sheet and you're just, you're going to paint on this blank canvas. Right. So when we got into young adult ministry, what you realize is, man, and even in your own self, when you're walking and and you're journeying in sanctification, you're like, man, I have a lot of ideas that don't conform to the scripture. That should be your experience (laughs) or (laughs) can be an experience. That depends on what you're being taught. You know, it's like, my experiences, you know, I remember going through different phases. I didn't have a single denomination growing up where it was the dominant denomination and teaching. Yeah, I think in different phases of life, I was in different churches that had different emphases. So uh, I remember one church I attended for many years. The emphasis was get spirits filled, get born again and be an overcomer. Yeah. <laughs> this is how you get ahead at work. This is how you prosper. This is how you um, become all that you're meant to be in God. And so let me yeah. ask you this, like when it, when when you said overcomer, what were you overcoming? What kinds of things? All kinds of things that are holding you back from the prosperous, glorious life you're meant to live, like trouble on the job or um, what's you holding the, you back your, from your entering into the relationship <laughs> you want to get into. And, and these were all good things, but I think they were the focus. And looking back, would you say mm. that would have fallen under the prosperity gospel branch? Oh yeah, I would yeah. say that. And um, it wasn't all bad. That's where I first uh, knew the Lord and got to know uh, church experience. And there was an emphasis on serving in church. You used your gifts and talents to serve on Sunday. You traveled in ministry with various teams that did mm. work. And it was all great. But then... Um, I begin to notice areas in my life that weren't as victorious as I had liked. And from there, I went to another church that was truly into discipleship. Yeah. And that began to truly transform my life. I mean, they, by this point, I'm doing music ministry and they pulled me to the side like, hey, come here, come in here and learn a little bit of discipleship. And they took me under their wings and began to just from scratch teach me, okay, what does it mean to be a disciple, not just do ministry or not just use your gifts and talents for the kingdom, but truly be a disciple. So it was, it was truly transforming. Took me through, took me through leadership training, um, discipleship. And we really, there was this thing called the purple book, right? It was this <laughs> chapters and you would just memorize chunks of scripture, truly, um, learn the scriptures on its own terms. Yeah. And it was awesome. And they taught so, you the narrative of the Bible. The narrative of the Bible. And and at that point, too, I was on my own seeking the Lord. So there was a lot of discipleship. And then there was a lot of um, study on my own where I was, okay, at this point, I really want to know the Bible. And the study begat study. Like it study got you study, excited, yeah. like as you were oh, learning yeah. this. Yeah. Right? The scriptures became fascinating to me. And there was so much life happening from my just carving out time to truly dive into the word of God. And I met you after, it was a couple of years after yes. you had already yeah, been doing I think that. So. And I knew you there was something, you know, 
different about you. Like you had a depth to you already by this point. So it wasn't, you know, you, you already had a base in a, in a foundation Mm -hmm. before we went into the Dallas stuff. I feel like what Dallas added, what he was so good at explaining things because he was a philosopher and a theologian, the way he worded things really helped me make sense of things for the first time. The Christian worldview, it really began to, um, lay that out for me and, what is a worldview at all? And we all have one. And here's the Christian worldview and what it says and why worldview is important. And the way he communicated it and just taught it was so profound and easy Mm. and just drew me in. It was, I mean, I couldn't let it go after a while. I was like, wow, what, what a gifted teacher he was. If you want to grow in your confidence in knowing what you believe and why you believe it, if you want to ground your faith in biblical Christianity and step into who God has called you to be, I want to tell you about a great program put on by Impact 360, and it's called Propel. Propel is a one-week transformational leadership and discipleship experience where high school students gather together to be grounded in a biblical worldview as they learn how to follow Jesus, have a godly influence, learn how to disciple their peers, and boldly live out their faith in their daily lives. So they're having two sessions this summer. The first one is June 19th through the 25th, and the second one is June 26th through July 2nd. These programs fill up really quickly, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So we'll put the link below if you're interested in looking into it and we'll see you this summer. Yeah, no, exactly. So it was, I took a lot of that stuff. And so we were doing young adult ministry by this time in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. And so I was using a lot of his stuff to, to basically base a model of how we're going to do church off this. What I was learning was the scriptural understanding of equipping the saints. Mm. Like, um, we're going to talk about the transformation of our thoughts, the transformation mm-hmm. of our will, yeah. the transformation of our emotions, yeah. the, how emotions are connected mm-hmm. to your thoughts. And you don't fight emotions by just trying to feel different directly. Sure. You change your emotions by changing your thoughts. Yeah. And the kingdom triangle, what it means to be in the kingdom of God yeah. is really good stuff. And so that that kind of leads me to to where I'm going with this is because... I began to understand that in many, what many people think of, so they, they have a combination of beliefs. Okay. Belief number one is the main thing is the gospel. Okay. Main thing that we need to do in the church is preach the gospel. Belief number two is anything that, that detracts or gets in the way of people accepting the gospel. We need to get rid of because why? Because the number one, the main thing is the gospel. Okay. Now, that sounds fine on the surface, right? The problem is, is when you, when you define those items, particularly for instance, the gospel and what you mean by the main thing, it's going to throw you into problems Mm -hmm. biblically. And it's going to, it's going to put you at odds with many other scriptures. Okay. So now what I, what, what he also talked about in a lot of these discussions was what is the gospel? And in Divine Conspiracy, for instance, he talks about what he calls the gospel on the left. And that was the social justice gospel. That was like merely transformation through transforming structures, external structures, that kind of thing. That's the progressive, you know, march. Um, He called the, the gospel on the right, he called barcode Christianity. And this is like, you know, basically you don't need to worry about 
real transformation of the thing within the package just transform just transform the barcode. Mm. If you get the right barcode, they scan it, you get into heaven when you die. Like that's what that's what the gospel came to mean practically in yeah. many circles. It was just this idea that you you know, you save a soul, heaven heaven when they die. And so if you if that's your view of the gospel, the good news of heaven when you die by believing in Jesus and getting your sins justified. And if that's the main thing, anything that gets in the way of that, we need to cut out, then what are you going to do? You're, you're not going to be able to say anything that runs against the culture. Because if you get into the culture wars, that's going to impact their ability to want to hear the gospel, quote unquote. Okay. And that is why, like, that's why many quote unquote gospel centered ministries and gospel-centered churches stay out of those fights because they say this is going to take away from preaching the gospel. Okay. It's going to either distract or detract would-be believers because we're going to upset them with things that are outside of the gospel. Okay. And while they said the gospel can be offensive, but we shouldn't offend them with issues of politics or issues of you know abortion or something like that because that's just going to keep them from accepting the gospel. Mm-hmm. You see how that works mm-hmm. in practice? Sure. Um, so there's, there's, there's lots of things to be said about that. One, there, there's a book that Dallas used to recommend, uh, by George Eldon Ladd. I'm going to pull that up real quick on, on Kindle here. And it was called the, um, let me go back to this real quick. It's called the gospel of the kingdom. And it was George Eldon Ladd. So, you know, well-known kind of theologian. I forget the years he was alive. It's somewhat relatively um, recently. But, you know, one of the things Ladd goes through, he, he really explains this well throughout the book. He makes the case that that view of the gospel is a truncated gospel. Um, that it's um, when, the, when the Bible uses the word gospel, I think it's the Greek word, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not... Greek scholars, so y'all, y'all um, take it easy out there. But Eugelion, Eugelion or something like that. Um, but it was the good news, the good news that the kingdom of God was available to anyone who would put their trust in Jesus. And what it meant to put your trust in Jesus was like to entrust your whole self to him, like to take on, to become a mm-hmm. disciple. Like that's why he said, like, if you're not willing to lose everything, you can't be my disciple. And, and it wasn't like he was saying you're not allowed. It's like, it just doesn't work. Like if you can't do addition, then you probably can't do multiplication. Like it's, it requires yeah. an okay. all, it requires an all in um, I'm willing to give everything to live for this person. And that was real conversion. Like conversion wasn't just saying a prayer. So I go to heaven when I die. It wasn't like that kind of means to an end. It included that, but to limit it to only that mm. would have been short of what the full blooded presentation of the gospel of the kingdom was according to Lad. And I think he makes a good case for that. That whenever you see this, there's the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel, the good mm-hmm. news of the kingdom. What is that good news? What does it mean to, what is the kingdom? And that's what um, Dallas talked about a lot was the kingdom of God, the reign, the rule of God, where what God wants done is done. And so the idea was like, there's, there's a rule of God. And, and because Adam and Eve fell, that impacted everything. It didn't just impact their soul. It impacted creation itself. Like Roman says, creation itself groans and wait, awaiting the redemption of the sons and daughters of God. And so the kingdom of God, what Jesus was in essence saying is like the kingdom is at hand. If I do these miracles, I cast out demons. The kingdom of God has come upon you. Mm -hmm. You can enter that kingdom by putting your trust in me, Mm -hmm. becoming my disciple. 
And so we enter into the reign of God, the rule of God. He ha- in, in the movie Enemies in the Church, that's what the pastor preaches, right? He said, we preach a gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom is, has laws. The kingdom has a king. Mm-hmm. And so we're coming, we're coming out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Amen. And we're becoming disciples of that king to learn how to live as children of mm-hmm. light. And so the, it, it shows that probably the way that that, that, that view of the gospel is understood. Ooh. That's what he means by, by truncated. Sure. Yeah. That's two totally different expressions. One's very private and personal. Yeah. Doesn't have to be, but it ends up kind of being in the moment, that understanding. And the other one is, hey, this is a massive, vast yeah. thing. You have an opportunity to enter into the highest experience you could ever take part of. Yes. Yep, exactly. And that's why even we talked about this today at church, but um, you ha- when you enter into the kingdom, you have eternal life. It's a present reality. Yeah, you have eternal life. And so it's have not, it's not just that you're waiting to go to heaven right. when you die. Like, you know, you're, you are entering into that present reality eternal that has life. a future, um, that has a future experience that we don't have now for sure. Mm-hmm. It has a future element that's not fully here now, but it, but it, in in another way, Ooh, it is here to a degree. It's here in a certain sense, and so when you when you present the gospel as though it's just a way to get into heaven, and and, and again, most most people aren't going to necessarily say that that explicitly, but that is the upshot of how it often gets presented as as a barcode, and so you have to be careful with that. Like if you're going to define gospel in the narrow sense of like justification, heaven when you die. If you're going to do that, then you, then it's important to understand that the Great Commission is going to be broader than that. For sure. Um, and so uh, that's what I say to people like, man, if you're stuck on that, if, if you're really stuck on and you think that that's the best definition of the gospel in the Bible, here's a case against that. But if you're like, nope, I'm good, I, I, I do want to, I want to sit on that definition, then I'm fine with that as long as you realize that you can't say that then that that's the the primary or only mission of the church. Mm. Why is that? Because the Great Commission was basically the last you know thing that Jesus said. And what does the Great Commission say? He says, go mm. therefore and... Make disciples. Yes, of all make nations. disciples of all nations, doing what? Baptizing them, Teaching them everything in the name of the Father, them. Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is the important clause teaching them yeah. to obey all that I have commanded. Yeah. Right? So if the gospel is just, just if, if the gospel Ooh, is only yeah. justification in heaven when you die, then that doesn't talk about teaching the saints how to sure. obey all he's commanded. Sure. So then if, if you're going to, oh if you're going to hold to that definition of the gospel, then you just have to say, well, okay, in addition to preaching the gospel, we, we have to, we're committed to the great commission. When you, as soon as you get to the great commission, you're going to realize that that's a broader task than evangelizing for heaven. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. So if that is, if that is our task, then that's going to require that's going to put us into harm's way like it did the disciples mm-hmm. with cultural issues. Like we can't, cause I, I think it's, if you're thinking of it like playing cards, I think people will throw down the I'm gospel centered card to get out of having those tough cultural conversations. Oh boy. So you can't play that card and be a great commission Christian is what I'm saying. Ooh, yeah. 
I get that. Um, and so that's what I began to see. Like when I looked into that stuff, th- this was my process of coming to get involved with cultural issues because before that I would have been the same way. I'm like, man, I want to be the nicest guy, like the most loving so that nobody has a bad word to say about me. And I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to press them on sin issues. Why would I press them on sin issues? They're in the world anyways. They don't, they don't need to, they don't need to be told about their sin. They just need the love of Jesus and they need the gospel. That's kind of, that sounds pious, right? That sounds great. It does. It does. And I would say some people would say it is Christ-like to be that way. It's yes. truly Christ-like to never say anything to offend someone or right. to talk about that is the scriptures that, yes, that's yes. the water that became over time that became yes. more so. Yeah, the milieu, for sure. And so when when you're when you're of that mindset, like it it would that would require that you don't say anything to upset people, and the only thing you can say to upset people is that narrow definition of the gospel. But the problem is when you look at the Book of Acts, is that's what's is that what's going on? Mm-mm. Not at all. No. There, it, it, even when you look at John the Baptist, why did he get beheaded? Oh my gosh, I was just thinking about that. Because he called out the sin of a leader. Exactly. When you look at the apostles' presentation of the gospel, what do they almost always start with? Christ is Lord. Well, even before that, okay. they, they, they will say that sometimes, but I'm, I'm specifically thinking about um, Peter and Stephen. He was like, you know, they're coming at the, like you, you and your ancestors, you always yeah. put to death the prophets. You crucified Jeez, Jesus. Please. Like, here's your sin, but you are under the wrath of God. Mm. But here's the good news. Mm-hmm. Like, it starts with the the diagnosis. Yeah. It starts with pressing the people like show like looking at that and saying here's the sin sure the diagnosis is that we were born in sin and that we have sin in our lives and so if that's never taught if we're never teaching yeah obey everything that christ has taught us then you know we'll in increasing measures have a culture that is immersed in sin and don't know it yeah you know they don't know they need to receive Christ as Lord and repent. So that's very, very much two different emphasis for sure with different results. Yes. For sure. Because like, you know, I think to go back to your earlier story of your own journey, like mm-hmm. at that other church, I'm going to try to be real careful here, but I get it. Let's, let's, let's move into the hypothetical. I've met people yeah. that have been in those types of churches for 40 years that have no spiritual growth. In fact, Oof. that would be the more typical type of person mm. that I've met in some of those types of churches. When there, when there is growth, and Dallas used to say this sometimes, he would say, you know, occasionally in your average church, you'll come across someone who really is a disciple, mm-hmm. but it's more an exception than the rule. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. because that's not the emphasis. Yeah. And so if you're in a church, and, and, and that's just one example, but where Jesus is a means to an end of getting, of having a better life and your better life is defined according to a cultural standard of maybe better cars, better job, better, mm-hmm. better spouse, you know, good kids. That like is, yeah. some of that stuff can be rooted in, in a biblical understanding of better, yeah. but some, but a lot of it can just be like, here's the, here's the American version of what it looks like to get ahead. And then Jesus becomes a means to that end. Mm-hmm. And that's not what, that's not the, the central calling. The central calling Ooh. of Christianity 
is come and die so that you might live. Like it's laying down worldly things and, and it really is better and it really will. Like if you put if you put Christian practices, this is the part about that type of church that they were probably there's some truth in it and they were in in other churches that are because again i think willard correctly critiques um certain poverty gospels that were preached on the specifically in the catholic world um because that wasn't really that was a misunderstanding of the bible as well um but what he what he points out is if you live the christian life it it will tend to actually give you a better life Mm -hmm. like you will tend to build wealth because you'll put in principles that are wise and grounded in creational norms mm-hmm. that God actually made the world according to. Mm-hmm. So when you do that, like you will tend to get a better job. You will get a promotion. Like, be, But it's not like you're not in that sense in a cheap way trying to use God and you know say the right prayers and sow the right money seed so that you can take shortcuts to get these yeah. results that you want. But you're actually being transformed into a different kind of person sure. that learns how to live a different life and the results of that tend to be fruitful and multiplying. Yeah. When we continue in his word, we are truly his disciples. Yeah. And that truth that we take in makes us free. You, we, the transformation of the mind means, you know, you, you uproot the lies or the bondage or the cycles that had you defeated. And then you take on the mind of Christ in increasing measures and you learn how to present your whole life, your bodies your jobs, your calling, your purpose um, as a reasonable act of service to the Lord. And that transformation does bring wholeness. It does bring health. It brings, yeah. you know, not always prosperity, <laughs> Yeah, but it's but good. But even oftentimes, you know, yeah. you know that, sure. that, that's, that's the interesting part, but you're right. It can, like, but that's not the, the yeah, it no longer, yeah. beca- when, when you're properly being transformed, your aim is to further the kingdom of God. Absolutely. And so even building wealth, you begin to do that from a different motivation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're not in bondage to it. You're not, you're in not it to doesn't it. have you in chains. You're free, yeah. Yes. You're you're not serving money, you know, the the root of the love of money yes. being the root, you know. Yes. So yeah, good stuff for sure. Yeah, and so that 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 idea here is is you know, just different, different stuff, you know, popping in my mind along the way, learning about, yes, this journey of like, okay, the great commission is broader than this truncated view of the gospel. Um, what does it include? Like what, when you talk about discipling the nations, um, you begin to ask the question, uh, what, what is, does that mean? Like, how does that impact things outside of the church part of our lives? You know, how does that? Sure. And I think I think we got it some because they would have, you know, messages in church about how to treat your spouse. Right. Sure. How to be a good neighbor, you know, mm-hmm. let your let your neighbors borrow your tools or whatever. Be be kind, you know. But I think um, what we didn't always understand was like, what does this mean for vocation, for instance? Mm-hmm. Like we I think we took for granted that spirit, quote unquote, spiritual vocations like being a pastor being evangelist was better or higher Mm. on the hierarchy of importance than being a plumber or a businessman yeah and you only do those other things because either you're not called to the spiritual vocation or you can't you don't have the talent for it or whatever you make the money to support those people because they're doing the real important Mm -hmm. work Mm. that's 
the mindset often times at a Christian campus for sure that serving in ministry in the body of Christ, in the church, mission field is the higher yeah. calling. It's higher than law or yeah. education for sure. That that seems to be the case often. Yeah. And and you know, you that's the one thing that I gleaned from um, reading some of Dallas's books is that you learn how to be right now as a co-heir with Christ, you're, you're, you are growing in the knowledge and the practice of, in your sphere of influence where God has placed you, how would, how would Christ reign if he mm. were here today? If you were an educator in a school and Jesus has placed you there, how, how is he teaching you? How would he do it? You know, mm. how you learn the ways of Christ and you know, the Bible talks about study. It talks about teaching and how a student is not above his master, but what is, how does an anointed, uh, full of the spirit, yeah. wisdom seeking disciple, discipler or disciple of Jesus, how do they reign with Christ on the job in the field of education? And that's the sphere. That's where you bring the kingdom there. And that's to me is, is, um, the king, the, the, it accommodates the message of the kingdom yeah. of God is at yeah. hand. Yeah. Man. Put your trust and confidence in him and take your whole life yes. into the kingdom and allow him to rule and reign in you. And you affect culture and change as a disciple there. That's it. That's it. And so it's like, what is, you know, when you say Christ is king, what is mm-hmm. he king over? Oh, and so that became the next question. You know, we, I, I started to first realize like, okay, um, I knew I was supposed to be holy as God is holy. Mm-hmm. I knew I was supposed to have character. Yeah. But I think that what was missing was the how to and the discipleship piece was like, okay, here's the spiritual disciplines um, done from this motivation when you do them, these are ways they're like raising, hoisting the sail of your sailboat to catch the wind of the spirit. They're not righteousness in and of themselves, but they put us in the position to interface with God where he does the transformative work in our hearts and minds. Um, as we do that, as we read our Bibles, as we worship, as we give, as we spend time in quiet with him, as we, Mm -hmm. um, you know, love our neighbors, celebrate all these kinds of disciplines. God does this transforming work and, and he increasingly becomes Lord over our heart. Mm. And that was, that was step one. But then I, yes, I was asked this question, like, is that the, is that the extent of what God wanted to do in the discipleship process? Is, is he, is he Lord over my heart? And that's it. Oh boy. So that kind of led me into asking the next question, which we're going to talk about in the next episode is, did God come to transform culture or just to transform individuals? Oh boy. Can you, if you have transformed individuals, does that automatically result in transform culture? Um, you know, just what, what do we, what do we make of that? Do we do that? Do we get involved in politics? Like, because I was relatively just, just uninvolved, didn't, didn't care about that type of stuff. So um, that that was the next phase yeah. of that journey that I took, and, and we'll share a little bit about that with you guys next time. Do you have anything to add into this as we as we wrap it up? Yeah, I just remember 
prior to understanding this, just having conversations as I traveled and did ministry in the music, Christian music industry, that persons that I did ministry with had spouses who were home with the children and felt like they weren't in ministry, mm. that they weren't impacting the kingdom. And I said, no, that's, that's, that's probably not accurate, but that nothing could be, um, more transforming of culture than to raise children up yeah. in the admonition of the Lord and teaching them in their youth to um, learn of Jesus. But, you know, we have put these um, categories of this is high ministry, this is low ministry. You're really impacting the kingdom if you're traveling as an evangelist, not so much as a spouse at home with the kids, <laughs> you know, so that kind of thing is, is, is good conversations to have. Yeah, for sure. To that. For sure. All right. Well, thank you all again for joining us for this uh, episode. If you can uh, like the YouTube thing, maybe leave a comment. You know, we yes. want to get more conversations going on there. Definitely uh, subscribe if you can on the podcast. It just helps it get out to more listeners. And we will catch you guys next time. Yeah.